Listener Production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The Elle Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy. So I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights, and tips for turning your passion into a career. We just feel blessed to be in this room. That's how I keep saying it. That's amazing. Today's guest is Kirsten Carriol. She's the founder and CEO of Lips, home of the world's best lip balm. Kirsten's story began on her family sheep farm in South Australia, where she was first introduced to lanolin, a byproduct from sheep's wool. I think the atmosphere would have been pretty amazing Out still, of control. though. Yeah. Like it would have been like wild. Yeah. Lanolips is a brand that is adored by the likes of Rosie Huntington Whiteley, Kim Kardashian, and Gigi Hadid, to name a few. Before creating the iconic brand, Kirsten spent 15 years running her own PR agency specialising in all things beauty, cosmetics and lifestyle products. Kirsten is an amazing boss babe who has years of experience and so much knowledge that she wants to share with us. Ooh, very nice. That's what I thought. Yeah, that was definitely worth the (laughs) life. Definitely worth 30 minutes. I first came across Kirsten when I fell in love with Lips. Anybody that knows me knows I'm always wearing lip balm and Lips really is the world's best lip balm. Kirsten has been an amazing support to both myself and Elle Effect and I could not wait to get her on the show. Kirsten, welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast. Very happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. The last time we were eating gelato on the launch of your new lip gloss. Our Messina collab, (laughs) which was the most epic thing I think we've ever done. That was amazing. Well, I mean, you brought the Messina truck to my house. (laughs) You instantly became my new best friend. Thank you. Yeah, it was pretty epic, that one, actually. But I'm excited to be in studio with you because we spoke about it then and now it's actually happening. Yes. So the way I like to start this podcast is with a thing called the Fast Five. Okay. Now, they're five rapid fire questions. The less time you think about them, the more honest I find the answer. Okay. So just go with whatever's at the top of your head. Okay. What are your can't live without top three beauty products? Um, Lano lives, Lano lives, Lano lives. No, no, Lano, of course. Yes. My Giorgio Armani Foundation and my Rose Gold 101 for lips and cheeks. Oh, nice. Yes. I actually have all three of those things in my kit. Oh, the Giorgio Armani Foundation. The Luminous Silk is like epic. Yes. Like amazing. What's your favorite app? Shazam. What's something on your bucket list? China, going to ah. visit China, the cultural side of China. Yes. What's been your biggest pinch me moment? Getting Lana Lips into Sephora Europe, probably. Oh, wow. oh how amazing. amazing. What's your favorite Instagram account? Um, I love memes. So <laughs> I would say, like, one of those ridiculous memes, one. I don't know. They're all ridiculous. A ridiculous meme one. Okay. <laughs> I love a good meme. Are you like a laugh? I love so, a laugh. I know you as a boss babe. We've been lucky enough to sit on many panels together. And I, when I started this podcast, I was like, you're somebody that has been so amazing with Elle Effect and myself through supporting. And I was like, I've never actually sat down and had 
a one-on-one chat with you. Yep. So I wanted to know, how did you first get interested in the industry? I was working as a junior burger in an, an branding agency and they happened to have some beauty business. And I was exposed to that on the advertising side. And then as part of the advertising service, the agency wanted to provide PR services. So they asked me if I wanted to do it, even though I'd never (laughs) done it before in my life. And I kind of just started doing it and I felt it came really easily to me. Um, And that was my first entry into the world of beauty. In Sydney? In Sydney. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. And then when did you kind of realize you had a unique talent in your career? Like what kind of made you go, this is what I want to do? Well, there are two moments. One, when I started my career in PR was when I started doing it and just realized it it had come very naturally to me with no training at all. And I kind of knew that I got it, you know, like I could talk about a product and I could talk about it in the right way to a journalist. I could point out what was newsworthy about it and create angles on them. And, And that That was super fun for a while. But then when I had the idea for Lano, um, that was literally like having a jigsaw in my head and the final piece fell in. It was like the moment that I just knew that this was it for life. Like that's my big moment. Yeah. How long had you been, because you obviously started it when you were working in PR. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Was there um, a I, I started my agency and then it, I think it was four or five years later when I had the idea for Leno, but I was working, you know, really hard. I was having two children. So it took me a long time to launch it, but I never doubted it for a moment. So yeah. I had the idea in 2003 wow. and launched in 2009. That seems quick to me. Do you know what oh. I mean? Like that's oh. I know because I feel like the more brand owners that I, and entrepreneurs that I speak to is all of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes that you don't see. Do you yeah, know what I mean? It does take a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, you can do it the short way if you want, but it, it ends up showing like that's a, the say. lack of passion, the lack of thoughtfulness. Authenticity. Authenticity, all of that. Like you can't replicate that. And I never set out to be authentic or whatever. It just kind of happened organically because it was. Because it was real. Yeah. It's funny when it happens like that. Yeah, it's kind of the way it should be. So who was supporting your dream? Because there's a big thing from you know, just doing your nine to five to turning around and going, I'm going to create something that is my own. Yeah. Who were your cheerleaders when you said, I'm going to do this? Um, My biggest cheerleader was my family in Adelaide because... um, Are you Adelaide? From Adelaide. See, this is why Joel, for everybody that's listening, my partner's Adelaide. They're very good people, South Australians. Solid, hardworking. Yeah, I I think I kind of agree. (laughs) Um, But my family were really flattered that I was using the family heritage and my dad's a scientist, so he'll help me on the science side as well. So, yeah, they were cheerleading me from the very beginning, um, in particular Dad, who I yeah. spoke to about the formula side of things in the early days and really learned quite a lot from him about lanolin. Um, and I had a few cheerleaders on the way in the industry, but really my family were number one. Yeah, of course, of course. Something that happens when I think we achieve success is it all looks amazing. It all looks crazy. You release products. It's fantastic. You have events. Messina trucks turn up at your house. (laughs) That was pretty amazing. It was pretty epic. And also the flavors were so perfect with the balm and then the the delay. We could go on about that for a while. But sacrifice, the the unseen sacrifices that people don't see you doing. Would you be able to share some of them with us? Yeah, look, I tell friends and People I know when they're starting a company that you have to give things up. You mm. can't 
have a full the full life you had, whether it be friends, family, fitness, food, something has to give. So you have to decide and you have to be okay with that yeah. because otherwise you're going to be really stressed and you're going to be cutting corners and that's going to be endless source of stress. So early on I'm, I had to, I would say my compromise at first was probably friend time. Like yep. I really had to rely on friends I'd known for a long time that were okay if I didn't call them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Health-wise, because I spent hours at my computer from morning, noon and night and my, therefore you have neck problems and back problems. <laughs> so that really suffered and no exercise at all, I would say is a big thing. And then when I was setting up the distribution network for Lano around the world, I was traveling a lot for about four years and that was, uh, you know, it was really hard for me on an emotional side, leaving my children yeah. when they were really little. Just touching on that, a lot of the women that I speak to, the children thing isn't spoken about and the fact that you've got to leave them and make the choice. Yeah. In the long run, yes, it probably is going to be a better choice to yeah. set your business up, but it, it's very hard and it is a huge sacrifice. Yeah. So, I mean, look, there was one moment I came back from a trip and I was asked to sit on a panel in Melbourne for the launch of, and it was a paid speaker thing, and I'd just come back and I just looked at the money and I looked at my children and it was yeah. a no-brainer. I wanted to stay yeah. with them. So, yeah. But mostly you do have to do what you've got to do though. Like when you're building a company, you know you have to go and see these people in America or your business won't get to that next level. Yeah. So you just have to get on with it. How old were they when you launched the business? Two and three. Oh, wow. Um, but the hardest time was when they're about seven and eight. Because they get it. Yeah. yeah. Well, also that was when I was setting up the international network. Wow. Okay, we're going to get to that. But before we get there... What are some of the challenges you've faced along the way? One of the big ones we had in the early days was making sure the branding would live a long time. That's a good one. Um, so we launched, I purposely launched with the kind of quirky, a little bit kitsch kind of branding, which was designed to cut through at yes. that time. And it did, but it also looked like a lot of people wouldn't take it as it was intended and it actually looked genuinely old-fashioned like not in a not, in an ironic way. Do you know what? I actually remember it right. and it did. It was a little vintage. It was meant to look ironic yeah. old <laughs> that it actually kind of ended up looking old. Yeah. Especially the mass market takes things differently so yeah. you have to consider your early adopters who take it as it's intended and then the mass market kind of take it more literally. So yeah. to grow the brand to a much larger scale we did have to consider that a much more refined branding, which encompassed the same vibe, but yep. in in a more modern, quiet, you know, a more palatable way. And and you know, I absolutely love our branding now, yeah. much more than then. But um, that was painful, like packaging change. That's what I was going to say to you. People don't realize, like, when you go to market with packaging, you you're buying thousands and thousands yes, of bottles, tens of thousands, tens of thousands is the better way to put it. Tens of thousands, and you've actually got to see out pretty yeah. much those tens of thousands. Yeah, and the logistics, um, the phase in, phase out with retailers, all of that stuff becomes a major priority. Like you think you're going to start a brand and develop new products and it's going to be amazing, but really the logistics and the retail side of it is far more important Yeah, and you have to be prepared and to get people who know what they're doing on that side is super important. And how long was the old branding in market before you reintroduced the new branding? I'd like to say four years, three See, years. When you put it in perspective like that, that's a long, you know what I mean? That's yeah. a long time to be looking at some logos and labels that you're not 100% yes. invested in. Yes. You know, like it's four years. Yes. And it was a big leap to change. Yeah. Just to go, I hope this works. And do you know what I find funny about that is the product works. The yeah, product's amazing. People love the product, but the packaging lets your product down. It's interesting you say that because one of the other challenges I've learned along the way is 
it doesn't matter. Like it matters if the product works. Like that actually matters mo- more than anything at the end. Yeah. But if you want to get that first sale, what it looks like and the point of sale, what it looks like in that, in yeah. that shop, yeah. not just in your hand, but how it's presented is far more important than you think at the beginning. <laughs> no, 100% because I remember when I started, everybody was like, go bright colors. And I was like, it's not me. So I right. went... I went white, black and white, very, very pushed back. Yeah. Yeah. But then about 18 months ago, I sat there with the designer and I was like, we need to be loud. They need to see it on the shelf. It needs to stand above the competitors, but it's not who I am. Right. So I I spent a good 18 months. what did you do? I went back. I went back to where I started. Right. But I needed to do it. But like, I mean, your branding now is is amazing. But it's funny you say that because I do remember getting your first product. Yeah, right. And then going, and because I knew what like lanolin was, I was like, oh, this is like this. And now the marketing and the branding, it's like cool girl. It's like, you know what I mean? Like it's a vibe. Like it's just really interesting that you said that then. Yeah. I also feel like there's a risk in your existing customer and there not wanting is. to scare oh, your existing customer. Oh, we had customer. emails from people. Where's the sheep? Yeah, Where's see? that old sheep? See? I like the red lip sheep. Like, oh. Yeah, it's a funny. Sheep's it's grown up. Yeah. So I then kind of sat there with my team and was like, I'm also nervous in doing that because we've spent the last four years building up our community. So it's little steps for us. Yeah, but, that's fair enough. Yeah. So the podcast is called Sliding Doors. Yeah. And I would love to hear about your big sliding door moment in your career. Yeah. So (laughs) it actually is very clear to me. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was 2003 and I was in Paris. I'd been on a trip and I was returning back to Sydney and I was in the taxi on the way to the airport at Charles de Gaulle and I was really dreading the dryness in the airplane and, you know, Aussies know dryness and jet lag like no one else. (laughs) And I had... By that time, worked in beauty for quite some time and tried kind of everything. Yeah. And I was still dreading this dryness and my lips in particular. And suddenly I was just kind of daydreaming and I realized that nothing had worked as the lanolin that I used when I was growing up. My grandparents had a farm in South Australia. And I, was, was, you, I was yeah, going to say, what is the, the history? Yes, Because um, I know Lano from family, you know, like old yes. school. It's like an old school yes. thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Lano lips makes it cool. Yeah. But lanolin's we, been around forever. It's, yeah. it's a a really precious oil from the wool of sheep and it's been used for millennia and like there's proof of it being used in the Egyptian times. Wow. Um, it's probably the world's oldest moisturiser and it's cruelty-free obtained from, it's a byproduct of the yeah. wool industry. Yeah. Um, the sheep are shorn every summer and they grow a new coat. You yeah. kind of have to shear them too. So it's part of the caretaking of the animal and it's something that I grew up with because my grandparents had a sheep farm and the smell and the feel of it was yeah. around me. It's like my strongest memory from childhood is the smell of lanolin. <laughs> I always only use lanolin and my dad as a scientist would tell me that it was the best moisturizer because the molecular structure mimicked human oils. So that was all I used. And then when I left Adelaide, I kind of figured all these new amazing products were better because yeah. they were expensive and they looked amazing. And yes. then that was my sliding doors moment when I realized you it actually it wasn't. The, no. And <laughs> you were like, like yeah, it's I was like, old... wait, hang on. I've worked all this time and still nothing is matched up to that. The answer was always in front of me. And so what did you do? Well, I had the idea in the taxi and the name and everything. It just came to me immediately, the first range I was going to do and what I wanted to do. And I just got back and did it. I've got goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) How do you do, I mean, you don't have to tell us your secret sauce, but how do you do it? You know what I mean? Was there fear? Like, were you scared? The best, if you think too much, you won't do it. Yeah. And if you research too much, you won't do it. You have yeah. to research to a certain point, but you freak yourself out because it's never going to be easy ever. Yeah. 
And if, if I knew now what I knew then, I wouldn't do it. You know, I gave up so, so much. So true. Right? You're <laughs> yeah. probably the same. It's, it's so funny that, isn't it? It's, I know. Yeah, very, very true. So I think the, f- the focus for me, and it's still to this day, is looking at the task at hand to get you to the next step and just focusing on that next step and blinkering. Yeah. And just concentrating on what to do to get to that next level. And if you just put one foot in front of the other every day, eventually you just get there. That, yeah, but you've got there and like scored some serious goals. Yeah, you've done but, it you know, very well. A lot well. of people have, but I think everyone, you know, everyone's run their own race. But if you think too much, you just never do it. True. And also perfectionists would find it hard. Because yeah. as an entrepreneur, you, you can't do everything perfectly, really. I don't no, know how you feel it, no, about that. No, but it's hard. It's, it's a, that's an re- amazing point because it is very hard. You never get it perfect. No. And then if you wait to try to get it perfect, somebody beats you to the end. Yes. And then you're like, how were they doing it when I was doing it? And it's like, you're better to just go and maybe yeah. it's like 60, 70% there than waiting. You're absolutely yeah. right. And like you with your tan, obviously you're super passionate. So you've yeah. got the eye for all the little details most people won't. <laughs> so it must kill you. Like, it's oh. really Really, yes. I feel like we've got that in common. Yeah. <laughs> um, something that we also like to just touch on here is imposter syndrome. Yeah. I could imagine you, you know, going to Europe and Sephora and pushing like the brand out. And yeah. essentially it's a sheep product. Like when you break yeah. it down, like and you're traveling the world and you're trying to sell this product, did you ever suffer from doubt, imposter syndrome? Yeah. If you think about it, I still do now. But then I recalibrate and I'm okay. But I think what is mostly to blame for that are in media who make it look really easy and highlight these women and they don't talk about the hard times. They just talk about yeah. the amazing achievements and that that brings self-doubt. Yes. So I really believe strongly on being really realistic about what it takes to get there and, and otherwise it's kind of mean to women or cruel to present this perfect thing when it really wasn't as easy as it sounds. No. Is there a certain like song you listen to or step? We had Ash Holmes from America. She likes to stand in the Superwoman. Oh my God. Yeah. When she said it, all of us in the studio then stood in this Superman pose. That is so cool. I know. She was like, whenever I doubt myself, I go into the bathroom, deep breaths and like stand there like I'm Wonder Woman, Superman, Superwoman. And I was like, that's excellent. If you see Elle Ferguson on the side of the road standing (laughs) like that, just not and smile, but is there anything that you do like that? Do you meditate? Do you, uh, you know, breathe, breath work? No, but That's all right. what I do do is I remind myself where we are and um, all the people that are enjoying the product and yeah. all the celebrities that love the product. And then I'm like, well, we've come a long way and then it's okay. It's sort of just reminding how far we've come that helps That's me. That's true. Yeah. So just touching on celebrities. So where are you stocked? Because the brand is global, Yes, so, which so, is huge. Yeah. So um, we've got a really nice distribution network in Australia, in Priceline and Mecca in yeah. Sephora, um, in Europe in Sephora, in the UK, Boots and some grocery and oh, they've got some great online accounts. Yeah. Um, but our big market's the US. Amazing. So we're in a retailer there called Ulta, which yeah. is Which is incredible. Huge. And Anthropology and a few others and in Canada. So it's a, you know, pretty fantastic. Do you pinch yourself? Uh, no, because it's I know how we go there. The hard work. Yeah. <laughs> I pinch myself if I didn't get there myself. Yeah. <laughs> totally. You know and it. then celebrity support. Who are some of your fans? Well, Kim Kardashian was a big moment for me. Um, she has the dermatite. Her skin's a bit tricky. Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Um, and they put it on Instagram a while back, which was pretty amazing. The biggest, you know what though, the biggest responses we've had have been, like in terms of 
people buying it because someone's loved it. Yeah. Um, the two big ones were Rosie Huntington Whiteley. She went on and on about it, which yeah. was that's amazing. Amazing. She's just goals. All yeah, around. and like completely organic. Yeah. Um, and Gigi Hadid. Yeah. So she talked about it in a Vogue. What's in my handbag routine? And that went off as well. And are you just shocked when that happened? Yeah. Like I woke up the morning after Gigi posted it or Vogue posted it and I had like messages from so many people I had no idea. But so proud that it is so authentic. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's funny. I've got my new um, lemonade lip balm with me today. From Valentine's Day. Yes. Yes. But it's funny because I actually think it's a product that I take for granted. Right. Because I've got it in my bag and it's always there. Yeah, but that's and, good. It's but that's what be... I mean. That's what I love about yeah, it. That that's it's what like, I hope it's it to part be. part of your, like, you don't, I don't even probably have it at front of mind because it's just part of what I am and what I do. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just what I do. And that's exactly what I set it out to be, a staple. Yeah, which is amazing that you've created that cult item. Thank you. I'd love to know, how do you think the beauty and skincare industry is changing? Wow. Okay. The last two years has changed enormously. I think there's the, you know, the movement with tech in the next kind of few years, but I think something that's already changed is inclusivity and diversity. I feel very passionate, actually. The beauty industry is very much responsible for forming what people think is an idea of beauty. And it's interesting because you were in PR. Yeah. So you were peddling the, yep. the I was, idea. I was peddling all the wrong, you know, I was yeah. definitely part of the problem. Um, and these companies were definitely ignoring skin tones for yeah. 100%. They were scared of using dark skin tones because consumers weren't used to seeing them and it becomes this cycle. So as a beauty brand owner, you must yeah. take that leap and you have to be really ethical and do it properly. Yeah. And it's up to us to change those, those beauty ideals and to get all of the skin tones out there and normalise them all. And you have to do it. I feel like Lana Lips has done it really well. Do you know what I mean? Well, like we, we, felt, we were doing it before. That's what I mean. Black it Rise feels Matter. like it's yeah. in your, it's almost yeah. part of your brand's DNA that yeah. it is an everybody brand. So when other brands were trying to shift their narrative a little bit, it was always part of yours. You yes, we I mean? didn't have a come to Jesus moment because we felt pretty good about ourselves. Yeah. But there were a few calls I made to models we'd used in the past that I just wanted to get their opinion on how yeah. they were represented, how they were treated. Like we, I did do that personally and we yeah. didn't need to make a big deal out of any of that. But um, I certainly think that's been an absolutely enormous and needed shift in the last few years and visually super important. Yeah, well. and it just is amazing to see diversity. It's like we all just woke up. It was just an, a moment of awareness for people who, you know, were, were white and privileged or whatever mm. they might be. Um, it was just like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. You know? That's it. And then can I also just touch on clean beauty and sustainability? Because I love the fact that when we were talking about the sheet, it's actually something that yeah. part of the process. Do you know yep. what I mean? You're not creating more waste or, yes. or more work. It's actually part of something that you're making something from that's already yeah. happening. How important is that in the business? So we've been using lanolin, as I said, it, it has been a byproduct. Yeah. Like if you have wool on your carpets and wool in your fabrics on your yeah. chair, you know, that the lanolin was on that wool at some yeah, point. So we have been sustainable in that respect at the whole time. But what we weren't great at is being more mindful about our packaging. And okay. that's been a huge shift as well, probably our equally biggest shift in the last three years. We, for example, we've changed our paper on our boxes to be FSC certified paper. We've changed the ink that we use to be plant-based ink. We're changing a, huge, a lot of our tubes. It's a huge change. When you it's do huge. it, it takes time. It's an investment. It's a process. And boxes at first don't look as good. No. So you have to take, yeah. you know, you have to go, okay, this is not a commercial decision. This is an ethical decision that mm-hmm. I'm investing in. Mm-hmm. And there's a cello coating that makes a box look gorgeous. Yeah. We remove that 
because that was making the box unrecyclable. So there's a whole list of things step by step. So, you know, we removed gold from our caps. You've got one of the old ones there, but that's like we we don't use that anymore because to create that it was an environmentally friendly process. So we've picked apart everything and put it back together again bit by bit. Wow. So we're feeling pretty good about it. Um, But, you know, we've come a long way actually. Yeah. Wow. It's just, my mind blows at the levels of like, again, you think it's just having a product that works. No. It's just, there's, <laughs> it's just funny because pe- I think people do look at it and just think, oh yeah, like that. But then in the background, you've been working out that you can't put cellophane over a box because you can't recycle it. Yeah. Yeah. It goes on and on. And then there'll be something else around the corner we haven't heard of yet. No, true. But um, Can I touch social media? Yeah. Social media, because you would have been old school print media yeah. when you were doing PR versus social media. Did you guys really have to pivot when yeah, you... Yeah, God, yeah. yeah. It was... Um, that happened so quickly too. It did. And you were in the way, you know, you were in that way. Yeah. When it changed, it was literally within a six-month period, suddenly print wasn't looking as important no, anymore. No. And there's this whole new voice, which I love. I love to... You know what? I think people who work hard and do great work should get rewarded. And the old system... There were people at the top of the magazines and they were the ones that decided who got rewarded. And that, yeah. you know, it should be much more democratic. And that's yeah. what I love about social media. Like the people decided. True. So, you know, <laughs> you got your following not because someone it, Instagram no. decided. It was a, a well-worked you know, garage door that I took a lot of photos right. against. And the people decided. Time. So you have your voice now. Yeah. Because people want your voice. and. I think that's how it should be. Yeah, I like so, that. And you have to be okay with change. As a brand owner, you absolutely must be okay with change. So, yes, it was a huge pivot and a huge shock in PR and marketing. <laughs> it was, And it continues to be TikTok now. You, I was going to say, are you guys on TikTok? Yes, yeah, I'm, We're slowly getting there. I was like, oh, my gosh, I've just got my head around. I know. You know, like it's, yeah, but you need it. To your you, business, you need it's, it. It's not a if, it's a when. No, yeah. You just have to do it all. And some (laughs) things don't stick, which is great. I love it when a social media platform dies. But it is true. The people make the choice. If it sticks, it sticks because it's useful and the people decide to make it stick. I kind of love TikTok though. I kind of love it on a personal side. It's interesting though because it's, I feel like it's now the unfiltered version of Instagram. Yeah. But then some of the videos and some of the creators, the effort that goes into creating that video for TikTok would be huge you know like some of the how-tos and the outfits and that like it's I wonder if it's going to go the same way as Instagram because Instagram started much more rough and then people started to refine it and like I should do better I should do better and eventually it became very curated it's so curated and that's why I was it was funny I was talking to Eva Chen about stories versus the grid and she was like well that's why stories is there because stories should be your unfiltered version mm-hmm. of the grid and I was like that makes me feel better about a lot of things yeah no good because yeah because it's so curated yeah. the grid yeah it's so pretty but it's and also it's, your brand book like it's, it's kind your, of boring though it is your brand book it's but your I portfolio as a I kind of bored of the grid. Yes, agree. Well, you need to offer something on the grid. You know what like yeah, it, you I can go deeper with stories. You can go yeah well it's the behind the scenes. Mm. Yeah. So what is next? Because you're, you are one person that just when I think I'm like, oh, there's a new product, then like I take a breath and then I'm like, there's something new. There's a, and it's so amazing that it happens so quickly. Oh, what are you working on now? I'm pretty bad at MPD, <laughs> MPD, new product development, mostly because I always feel like we've done everything you might need. And I didn't want to, I hate creating superfluous products. Yes. But it is super fun and people do like new things. <laughs> so we do have things bubbling in the background. 
So we've got a new product called Jelly Balms. Ooh, what are they? They're a more transparent, bouncy, oh, yes, I'm here for them. tinted. Yes, that sounds like me. No shimmer, no white in them, just pure yes. like like a stain vibe. Yes. And they're super cute. And they're naturally fragranced with fruit and fruit extracts in them. So they're all natural plus tint and they're wow. super cute and they're just a joy to use. Yeah, just they kind of sound a really fun. Joyful product. And then um, we've got a huge launch actually coming up in April. It's a skin cream, a 101 oh. skin cream, which is absolutely huge for us as well. Yeah, that's incredible. So it's kind of like a skin version of our original 101. The big one, yeah. Yep. Have you got a big team around you? Or you... Not really. I mean, look, we, we've got a head office core team mm-hmm. and then I have two staff as well in the US as well. Yeah. But we're we're hiring. Everyone's hiring right now. <laughs> but it's so amazing, like, to think that you had that moment in that cab, you know yeah. what I mean? And to where it is now. And, and it is such a cult item. Like, it is yeah. such a, sta- it's a staple cult item that it's yeah. incredible. Thank you. And it just, it's real. I just, I love it when we kick goals, when yeah. especially Aussie girls kick goals. I would have to say, though, I'm not just saying that, but my, like, my team have been with me for years. Some of them mm-hmm. since day one. And yeah, that's amazing. I just could never do this without the team. Once you get to a certain point, you absolutely have to rely on good people around you. Yeah. You know, not so much obviously when you're developing it and launching it, but once it's going at a certain size, without the people who work with you, you just absolutely fall over. No, I agree. I agree. Because you can't be everywhere and everything to everyone. And I think your business suffers when you don't bring the right people in. And sometimes it is you've got to invest a lot of your cash flow in that and it's a risk. Yeah, it's a huge risk. But I think there's strength in admitting things you don't know and hiring people that do know those things and trusting them. Okay, on advice, a lot of people listen to this that are either, you know, waiting for their sliding door moment or they're taking a leap of faith and they're going to try something new or they're just waiting for a sign or some advice, what advice would you share with our listeners? You know what? I think just keep trying different things and it will come to you. You can't force it. Like if you try something and you think you're going to be passionate and you're not, just drop it. Like you have to be super passionate. Like you are with your tanning as well because that's what keeps you going. That's the, it's your competitive edge. It's also your drive. Like it's everything. Yeah. If you don't have passion, just don't. And I think the longer I... And working, the more I discover that because it's like you said, it's like you burn out if yeah. you don't believe in it and it's not part of who you are. Yes. And all the messaging, you actually, it becomes inverted commas work Correct. because you're peddling something that's not necessarily the truth. You, yep. You're always very hydrated. Just have, yeah. there's, no, there's no dry skin on you. No, there's anywhere. not. No, there's not. I'm always overhydrated, but I love it. It's like me with tan. I yeah, don't I know, think right? I good, I've never seen you untanned. No, that's what I mean, though. But it's like it's not a chore. Like you would do it without even. Exactly. You'd do it even if you it. didn't have your business. Exactly. Oh, that's too funny. Kirsten, I have to say a big thank you for always supporting the L Effect. You were a brand My that pleasure. came on really early with me and did some things. And I I remember it, we did I know, giveaways. It meant a lot. It really no, meant a lot. But you've to created her. something really unique and gorgeous oh, with your you. brand. It's very authentic. It's like, congratulations. Thank Especially, you. you know what? I cannot live without your instant. Oh, yeah, ta- the tint. It's like, I've it's it life changing. <laughs> it's instant life changer. That's so nice. But I, I've wanted to say thank you face to face for that because it means a lot when an established brand comes on and, and supports a newbie, like a new girl on the block. It so it, it really meant a lot to me to have your support. And I know a lot of people are going to listen to this episode and really take some little pieces of advice and tips and tricks and put it into play. But thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Yay. (laughs) 
Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson. Producer, Tina Matalov. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Listener.